Hello everyone, welcome to the Unlimited Chelsea Podcast. My name is Maxwell. We've got plenty of Chelsea news on the table, so let's get going. First thing we want to talk about today is the Derby County game in the Carabao Cup. So we have made it to the quarterfinal, but Frank Lampard and his Rams definitely gave us a little bit of a challenge. Um, so starting off with the game, uh, first talking point was definitely the Fiaco Tamori own goal. Just very ironic for a Chelsea loney to play against his own team, be, be allowed to, and then end up still scoring for Chelsea. Um, in his defense, I mean, it was kind of an unfortunate own goal, I mean, off the back of his ankle. Um, goalie probably should have been on it, but anyways... Um, then moving on, there was a strike by Marriott. It was actually a really good strike um, in the bottom right. I mean, Caballero had nothing on it. I felt like he just kind of ripped through our D. Um, but that's what happens when you got Zappacosta and Cahill playing. Um, and then once again, another own goal, you know, cross off the box, like cross into the box. Um, and pretty weak on the goalie. 2 2, you know, you had that easy tap in by Waghorn there. Um, once again, it just kind of felt like it was kind of bad positioning and they took a, a page out of the sorry coach book because um, they had brilliant fast passing on that play so good by uh good by frank lampard on that um and then you know the three two um another strong strike by fabergas and that just ended up being the winner um but overall i felt like it was a pretty good game by chelsea um and frank lampard's derby county are a pretty dangerous side when they want to be they definitely did not make it easy for chelsea um but it was great to see the uh, the reaction from the fans um, for Frank Lampard. You know, I felt like it'd be pretty be- bittersweet for him, for him coming in and playing against his former club. Um, but he got a great, great reception by all the fans. And you know what? That was great. Um, looking on the game, you know, very typical Chelsea stats. You know, we had over 70% possession. And I, I love that because there's no more of this mentality of suffering without the ball. Chelsea have always been a team that strive off high possession, and this 4-3-3 just allows for that so great. Um, as for the lineup, I mean, it was okay. It wasn't amazing. Um, really starting to wonder when Hudson Odoi is going to get his game time. Um, you know, like, we started Ruben Loftus-Cheek on the right wing, and you know what? I, was, I wasn't too surprised with that. I said in my last podcast, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek on the right wing could be a possibility. Uh, but then when they subbed him off, they brought on Pedro. You know, why not bring on Hudson Odoi? Like, you know, it's not like the Carabao Cup is too, too important. And we pretty much had the game locked up. So he definitely could have been brought on. Um, but that's just my my personal opinion. I thought that was kind of strange. Um, but overall, it was, a, uh, it was a pretty good game, you know. That midfield three of Fabregas, Kovacic, and Conte played pretty well. Um, Fabregas had his moments where he looked great. Fabregas also had his moments where he didn't look so good. Um, and I think it's becoming more and more clear why Jorginho is in front of him because right now Jorginho is playing at two, three times the skill of Fabregas is. And that's no disrespect to Fabregas. It's just Fabregas is coming towards this time in his career where he's starting to taper off. And Jorginho is just coming into that period, so he's, he's doing pretty well. Um, like I said, the defense was a little slippery. Um, I felt like that was more so on the side of Cahill and Zappacosta on the right. Uh, I felt the, the left side of Christensen and Emerson Palmieri actually played very well. Um, and when they subbed off Andreas Christensen and brought in David Luiz, um, it just even more solidified. I think bringing on David Luiz and Azpilicueta really helped us lock up this game when we needed it. Because, you know, Derby County could have easily came in and uh, 
gotta cook one again. Um, now, looking at the actual stats of all the players, you know, Seth Fabregas was voted man of the match, um, and he had he had a pretty good performance. Um, but the one player that I think everyone was really, really looking at was uh, Mason Mount. So, you know, he had a 7.03 rating from uh, whoscored.com, which is pretty good. He managed to get around, you know, only two shots on that. The one thing that I was really kind of disappointed with is he only had a 61% passing percentage, which which wasn't, like, I don't know. I think I just kind of expected more from him. Um, that being said, I think he still had a good game. You know, he was pretty solid. He did, he did get an assist um, on the one goal. Um, but other than that, I felt like he could have had a better game, but at the same time, you know, that's the point of these loans. Loans are meant for experience, and Mason Mount is getting incredible experience at Derby County and incredible mentorship from Frank Lampard. You know, you want to be a great English midfielder? Well, who else to be better coached by than, than Frank Lampard, you know? So overall, Mason Mount, he's growing, he's developing. Um, a lot of people thought that he'd maybe have a step backward going to Derby County after being so successful at Vitesse. Um, but I, you know what, I think he's doing very well um, at Derby County, and this loan move is making sense. Um, so next year, I still I definitely think that he should be in the Prem, either playing for Chelsea or on loan. Um, but you know what, I'd love to see him in a blue shirt again for next year. Uh, moving on, we have the Crystal Palace game on the weekend. So as for terms of our lineup, I think uh, Sarri's going to go back towards his pretty uh, standard lineup. Um, I definitely think Kepa's going to start between the sticks um, and then probably going to have that same back four that Sarri seems to rely pretty heavily on of Alonso, Luis, Rudiger, and Asby. I think that's almost a lock now. Um, and then as for the midfield and um, the starting uh, forwards, that's where things get tricky because he said that Hazard is probably ready to play this weekend, but probably not for the whole 90 so looking at the midfield, I think it's going to be a midfield of Conte, Jorginho, and Barkley. And then I think Hazard, um, well, like I said, he's probably going to come on as a sub. So I think that Pedro's going to start ahead of him. Uh, I think Morata's going to start a striker. And then kind of a bold move, I think that Loftus' cheek is going to start again on the right wing. So we'll see. Pedro and Willian, they're kind of interchangeable, so either of them could start on the left, but I think Loftus' cheek is going to start again on the right wing. That's just my prediction. Right now, Barkley is having an amazing season, and he definitely deserves to the Prem. Um, and Murata also deserves to start after uh, scoring, so we'll see. Pedro is still kind of iffy because he had that stomach bug where he had to get subbed off, um, but, but we'll see. It's all kind of a guessing game at this point. I think the game's probably going to be around a 3 nothing final score. Um, I think that Murata is going to come, uh, come strong again and score again. I hope so. He had lots of chances in the game versus Burnley, so I hope he gets some more chances, and I think he'll uh, manage to get another goal. I think Hazard's going to come off the bench and get another goal. He seems to like doing that. Um, then I also think that there's probably going to be a Jorginho penalty. That's just superstition, but I guess we'll find out. But yeah, my, uh, my prediction is a 3 nothing Chelsea win. As for the press conference for the game, um, Maurizio Sarri had lots, lots to say, lots to say. Um, the one thing 
there's a couple things that stood out actually. It was they were going to say how uh, who was going to be the captain of Chelsea Football Club. Um, and sorry, he said he wanted to talk it over with his players. And uh, basically, the way he kind of worded it is he said that Gary Cahill is still the captain when he's on the pitch, which is very rare. And when he's not on the pitch, the captain's Cesar Azpilicueta. So judging by how many times uh, sorry, Cahill starts, I mean, I think it's pretty much a lock that Azpilicueta is the captain. So I, I don't know why they keep Cahill named as the permanent captain when he just sits on the bench when we all know that Azpilicueta is starting as captain game in and game out. So that's just my, my two cents on that. Um, as for Loftus-Cheek, he's definitely um, saying that, um, sorry, saying that he's improving, um, that he's a great physical player and that technically he's a good player. Um, but he's saying he also has to improve on his defense, but he is commenting on his potential. So I think it's, it's the same with any new coach. I think they definitely have to lock in. So I think Loftus-Cheek needs to decide, you know, do I want to play wing right now? Or do I want to play center attacking mid? You know, what gives me the best chances? But I think either or, um, he has a pretty good, pretty good chance of coming in, which is good. So as for that, the only other real thing that I've kind of already mentioned is uh, that he said Eden Hazard's probably only going to play about 40, 45 minutes of the game. And they also mentioned about how uh, Sorry was voted for the October Premier League Manager of the Month, so good on him for that. Um, moving on, we have the curious case of Bakayoko. Um, so there was news recently that his loan was going to be cut short, and now they're saying that he won't come back and that he's gonna take part in his full game, uh, full loan, sorry. So right now he's played about eight games for uh, AC Milan hasn't done too hot. I mean, he's just gone from absolute hero to zero in no time. Um, but according to the AC Milan manager, he wants Bakayoko to start some games and get some time so that he can start to prove himself. Um, but the thing is, is it's, it's so strange how the manager is saying, you know, he needs to learn how to recover the ball and get the ball back. When, when that's one of the main things that a defensive midfielder does. You know, it's just incredible. But, uh, I mean, apparently that uh, he's going to start a few games for AC Milan and not come back to Chelsea. So I found that rather surprising, but uh, that's just me. And then now we were talking in the last podcast about Real Madrid. Um, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of confusion in this uh in this situation. So as for the moment right now, the interim boss is Santiago Solari, who is basically the Real Madrid B manager. And basically, he's an, an interim option. You know, there's there's possibility that he could come in. I mean, we all know that Zidane managed the Real Madrid B team um, before getting the full-time job. I think he has the respect of his players. Um, but the thing is, is that well, I mean, Sergio Ramos said it himself that managing Real Madrid is just as important. Sorry, managing the dressing room of Real Madrid is just as important as managing the technical side of the team on the pitch. It's a team filled with lots of massive egos, big names, big expectations, 
And to be honest, I don't know if Conte can handle that because we all know that Conte is a, is a great tactician. Um, but as for managing the dressing room, I think that's one of his weak points. I mean, we all saw how we managed Diego Costa, how he managed David Luiz. Um, you know, just the list goes on and on of players that just came in and out and just he, he lost complete control of the dressing room. Um, however, if Conte does go to Madrid, I think that it would be good for Chelsea because I don't think Hazard would want that Spain move anymore if Conte was the manager of Madrid. So who knows? I mean, I think only time will tell with Conte going to Madrid, but if he does, good luck because there's there's a lot of egos in that dressing room and just like uh, Sergio Ramos said, you know, it's, it's just as important to manage the dressing room as it is to manage the team on the pitch. Moving on, uh, one of my favorite Academy products that doesn't get too much uh, recognition, I feel like, is Charlie Brown. He's a 19-year-old center forward, um, and he just signed a new deal until 2023. And right now, he's he's doing incredible. Um, he started about nine games for us between Premier League 2 and the UEFA Youth League. Um, he scored six goals. He's gotten three assists. Um, and at his time, you know, um, for the under-18s, 24 goals. For the under-23s, he has four goals. Um, th this kid has potential, and I truly believe in him that, you know, if Chelsea fully developed this kid, he can he can do big things. Um, I hope he kind of doesn't end up like another Patrick Bamford. Um but at the moment, you know, Charlie Brown has massive potential and he definitely deserves to be recognized by a lot more Chelsea fans because I feel like he just kind of slips under the radar. Um, next up, we have the talk of another loan. Um, so there was talk about Bakayoko having his loan terminated. And now they're saying that Matt Miazga um, from FC Nance is going to have his loan cancelled in January. So he's played about eight games this season, but really has not impressed. Um, he's, like, if you look at his, uh, his who scored rating, you know, 5.39, um, He's just had really poor form with the team you know like I said he's only started eight games but he's gotten five yellow cards he really needs to work on his concentration and I mean well, you can tell from his yellow card count that he has very poor discipline and I think this might be an example of how the new restricted loan system you know I feel like a lot of people are against it but at the same time it might help because it just gets rid of these players that are absolute dead wood who doesn't make sense why we signed them. They're never going to make the squad, and he should have been sent back to the MLS years ago, you know? These guys are just ruining the, the, the peak of their careers by just bouncing back and forth on loan and should have never come to the Premier League in general. Um, you know, Kenneth Armaro has already stated that he wants to make his loan in La Liga permanent, you know? But at the same time, why did we sign him? Why have we shipped him off on six loans? this new loan system might actually help because, you know, some of these players, you know, if there's a restricted loan system and we sign these players and we know that it's going to take a lot to develop them and we're just going to shut them off on loan and loan and loan and loan, then it might 
make the board say, gee, maybe we shouldn't sign this person who's never going to start a game for Chelsea. So that's just uh, my thoughts on that, you know. I feel like the thing with Nance is the whole team is kind of underperforming, um, but Matt Miazga isn't doing anything to help his case. Um, moving on, the Chelsea FC Women Club had quite the game against uh, Fiorentia in the Women's Champions League. They had a pretty comfortable 6-0 uh, win, and they won the leg 7-0 uh, on aggregate. Um, and you know what? I think they, the women's team has definitely had sort of a rough start to the season, um, but now they're starting to, to play like they did last year, which was good. Um, so they quickly made it into the semifinals. Um, and just one note I wanted to mention was uh, the Fran Kirby hat trick was uh, very, very well played. Um, you know, she did have the penalty in the middle of that. Um, but overall, uh, Fran Kirby had an incredible game. Um, also, I don't know if you've looked it up, but you should definitely look up. I think it was um, Erickson, if I'm not mistaken, um, had an incredible overhead bicycle kick goal. Um, in the FAWSL the other day, so definitely look that up. Um, but yeah, Chelsea FC women definitely had a nice, comfortable win. Good on them for making it into the uh, Champions League quarterfinal, um, and I'm definitely um, looking forward to seeing their comeback after a, a rough start. Now moving on, um, we got some transfer rumors. There's always transfer rumors when you're talking about football. Um, and I just wanted to address a few. So. Right now, we have the constant rumor of Fabregas going to Italy to either AC or Inter Milan. At this point, I think a move to Inter Milan might be a little bit more realistic. Um, I don't know how Chelsea will feel, or sorry, how AC Milan will feel doing business with Chelsea after the whole Timo Bakayoko um, situation. Um, but then at the same time, there might be a swap deal in the mix because Chelsea are heavily looking at Suso. And Suso might be a good pickup for Chelsea. You know, he's 24 years old, um, Spanish winger. And he's done, actually, he's been kind of the only shining light out of this pretty poor AC Milan team. You know, he has four goals, seven assists, and he has an average who scored rating of 7.96. That, that is wonderful. You know, he doesn't really have much of a good defensive contribution, but, you know, his passing, his finishing, his dribbling is good which is all the great stats of a good winger. Um, and I think he'd be an amazing pickup for Chelsea. Um, I'd love to have him on the wing. And it would, like I said, we, we need to get that right wing situation figured out. Because, you know, left wing's always a lock with Eden Hazard, but it's been so long since Chelsea have had a good right winger. So Suso, I'm all for that deal. So who knows, there might be a swap deal in the mix. You know, maybe Fabregas for Suso and, and some change in the middle. Um... Another rumor that keeps popping up is Victor Moses to Everton. Once again, I could also see this, but then at the same time, would Everton want him as a midfielder or a right back or a wing back? See, the problem with Victor Moses is I feel like right now the only system he could fit in is a wing back system, and a lot of teams are starting to stray away from that. You know, I feel like formations are very streaky. You know, everyone. Everyone uses, like, well, everyone was using the five at the back after Conte won the league with it. And then they start to find the flaws, they figure out how to defend it, and then the system becomes obsolete. 
So I feel like right now Victor Moses is kind of stuck in purgatory because no one really needs a wing back. That's his problem right now. But I definitely think he's uh, out the door at Chelsea. Um, he's not getting too many chances. I mean, looking at him on the pecking order, he's he's being slotted in as a right winger and looking at the right wing slot, you know, I think you got Pedro and now Lafayette Cheek is coming in. He's probably second on the depth chart. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Victor Moses. So when you're fourth on the winger slot, not 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 too good for you. Um, two people from La Liga that are constantly being linked with moves to the Prem is Usman Dembele. Um, he's being linked to Arsenal and Chelsea and uh, and Chelsea and uh, Marco Asensio. He's also being linked with a move. Um, he sort of had a rough start um, to the, to the season this year. Um, you know, he's had he's had his moments in La Liga. You know, he's he started about ten games, um, but only has about one goal, one assist. Um, so he's he's not doing too too hot. Um, but you know, I think Marco Asensio is a very good player. Um, he can play on both wings, um, which is good. Chelsea would need that. Um, he's great at possession, which is good. Um, because that's that's what Chelsea need as, as players who can hold on to the ball and pass and have those key passes. Um, but this season, his his finishing is definitely lacking from the way he did. But he's a great sharp passer, um, which would work pretty well in uh, in the Sari system. Um, we've also been linked to a couple of uh, central defenders. Um, so we've been linked to uh, Laskels from Newcastle United, and we've also been linked to D-Clan Rice. Um, if I were to pick one out of the two, I'd probably go with uh, Rice, to be honest, because though Laskells is doing pretty good, he's just signed a new deal until 2023, so that's always a problem. But at the same time, you know, he's 24, whereas Rice is 19. He's already also been part of the Chelsea system. Um, he was a Chelsea youngster until he was 15. Um, so at the same time, you know, I feel like it might be a little bit smarter to sign the younger decline Rice because he might not expect um, as much game time as Lascales would. And then, so, like, I just, it wouldn't make sense to sign a player just for him to sit on the bench because we all know that David Luiz and Rudiger is the lock at the back and it'd be very hard for someone to come in unless they were top talent or if they had time to develop because we all know that David Luiz is getting, he's getting up there. And, you know, he maybe has only about two, three years left, three years max left at Chelsea. And then by that time, you know, Declan Rice would be around, you know, 21, 22 and he'd slot right in there. So I think it'd be, I think it'd be pretty good. Um, we've also been constantly linked with Aaron Ramsey. And I think that Aaron Ramsey, once again, um, he'd, he'd probably slot in. You know what, if we can get him for free at the end of the year, I think that'd be an incredible signing. Um, because I think he could slot easily into the Jeff chart um, if Fabregas leaves or if we don't re-sign Kovacic. You know, no one really knows if the Kovacic deal has a buy-on clause. So I'd be all for signing Aaron Ramsey for free at the end of the year. You know, I think uh, there was definitely a contract put on the table and he declined it. Um, you know, Aaron Ramsey's also been asked about joining the Spurs, um, and he shot that one down pretty quick. Um, but I think after the first contract was declined, 
um, Arsenal got mad and they're not offering him anything. So I definitely think that he's uh, going to be going for free. Um, back to the central defenders, I think Gary Cahill is definitely going to go. Um, and I think at this point it doesn't really matter where. Um, I think he could easily slot into a championship side, but there's also been rumors of him going to Turkey. So it's kind of an odd one, but who knows? Um, and then the last one I'd like to talk about for a transfer rumor, which has been kind of coming up lately, is Callum Wilson. And Callum Wilson has been having an incredible season this year um, with Bournemouth. Bournemouth have been a side to be reckoned with. Um, he's 26. He's scored six goals and four assists in 12 appearances. And, you know, Eddie Howe's Bournemouth, they've been doing amazing this season. You know, looking at Callum Wilson's career, you know, he's had 24 goals in 71 games and he's had two ACL injuries. So, you know what, the fact that he's come back from this fitness and becoming a striker to be reckoned with, you know, Callum Wilson actually might not be a bad idea. Um, I think he could easily slot into Sarri's system. You know, he's a strong player. Um... And I think I think he, he might be a good signing for Chelsea and he might come at a cut cost because you know, it just might might not be as expensive as say someone like Mauro Accardi. Then at the same time you get for what you pay for. So, anyways, that is the end of today's podcast. Thank you for listening and uh hope you have a great day.